I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to take a moment, think about it and answer to yourself honestly. What are you? Did it take you aback? Or maybe you've heard this question a thousand times before, so you didn't even blink. For me, I've heard this question a lot, especially since moving to the United States back in 1996. For a lot of people, this is their daily reality, having to define, explain, and defend who they are. Why? Because they might not look like society's expectations. They might not check a specific box that someone might have in their mind from either a lack of understanding of a culture or just a lack of knowledge and experience. If you are a bicultural individual or multicultural individual, you probably get this all the time and you understand what I'm talking about. I think a huge topic of conversation for people of color is having to categorize ourselves. We're always prepared to have our labels ready to go for whenever people ask where we're from or the dreaded question, what are you? Ever since my son Renzi was born, I've been thinking about this a lot. For example, what will his answer be to these questions? I want to make sure that as Renzi gets older, he doesn't participate in the erasure of Black culture. Because too often, we see people stretching to be, quote, more than Black, as if being Black is just not enough. I also want to make sure that he's proud of being Mexican, and that when someone asks him about his background, he doesn't give them halves. To me, halves are for dividing food. Renzi is Mexican, and Renzi is Black. He's not half, he's two wholes. And I know the math doesn't add up, but why should anyone have to subtract from who they are in order to be deemed a complete person? So for this episode, I wanted to bring in someone who totally understands the whole biracial identity scenario better than me. And honestly, I couldn't think of anyone better than my friend Cheyenne Woods, someone who is constantly in the public eye, constantly having to, quote, explain herself to people who she doesn't even know. And I really wanted to explore that conversation deeply so that we can maybe make an impact in the cultural identity of so many people out there. If you've listened to season one of Diferente, you know who Cheyenne is already, or you may already know her regardless. She's a professional golfer, a spokesperson, and a fellow podcaster, who I believe understands and embraces the complexity of living life between two or more cultures. You're listening to Diferente. Estás escuchando Diferente, the bilingual podcast where we celebrate and explore the complexities of living life between two or more cultures. I'm your host, Maribel Quesada-Smith, a producer and creative consultant from Mexico City, living in the U.S., loves hip-hop and cumbia. I created Diferente to learn, laugh, and grow alongside you with stories and interviews that relate to the bicultural experience. Let's get started. Cheyenne, welcome back to Diferente. Thank you. It's good to be back. I'm doing well. I'm excited to uh, have our little conversation today because I think that podcast we did, it was actually before we had even met. Yes. It was a few years ago and it's just amazing to see how how much our relationship, our friendship has grown and we have our podcast now we do together. So yeah, shout fun. out to birdies, not BS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Follow, subscribe, listen. <laughs> <laughs> On all of the platforms. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> anyway, but I wanted to start with one specific question that I already know the answer to, but I have to ask, what are you? I am a woman. <laughs> 
no, keep going. This is exactly what I wanted to hear. Yes. I am a woman. I am a daughter. I am a sister. I am a friend. I'm a human being. I'm a dog mom. <laughs> um, that is funny. You know, we get that question all the time when people can't quite pinpoint what ethnicity or race you are. Ethnicity, I guess, is the right term. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the what are you question is sometimes difficult to answer because technically, yes, I'm I'm a woman. What else would you like to know? <laughs> I'm a human being. That's yeah. what I used to say all the time when yeah. people would ask me that. <laughs> Was that something that you heard a lot when you were a kid or maybe as you got older? Uh, more so when I got older. Um, I think like high school, college, um, being around a more Honestly, I feel like the more diverse environment I was in, the more I would be asked it is what I found. Yeah. Um, growing up in Phoenix and going to a majority, you know, white school, I didn't really get asked it. And maybe it's because they identified me as black just because I was different. Um, but when I got to college, I think I, I started to get more questions of what are, like, what are you, what are you mixed with? Um, and so that's when I had to kind of identify myself. What am I? You know, how do I answer that question? Yeah. What how exactly? Did you? Um, I mean, I would just say I'm mixed, you know, my mom's white, okay. my dad's black. And then I started to realize the what are you question is it just it feels weird sometimes. So it's been years of processing exactly what that means, how I answer it, and also how I identify myself when it comes to ethnicity. That's the thing about that question. It can be intriguing, but at the same time, it can be a little bit insulting. And I think for me, growing up in Ohio, again, also in a primarily white school, I didn't really get asked that a lot. For some reason, the question usually came from people of color. It's almost mm -hmm. like they were like, I think you're black, but I don't know. So let me just make right. sure. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And so yes. people used to think that I was mixed all the time, but I had to, you know, just I was I would just be like no I'm I'm Mexican and it would shock them every time because they had the stereotypical idea of what a Mexican person should look like which mm -hmm. a lot of people in the United States have that so I think that for the most part I've learned that people don't necessarily mean to insult me when they ask that question but it definitely hits me in a weird way like I don't I mm -hmm. don't like the sound of it it's just very how do I say it like um it seems a little bit reductive I don't know about, yeah. about you. No, but. I, I agree. I think there are maybe better ways that somebody would uh, could ask. Like, would you be, would you have the same feeling if someone were to ask, what ethnicity are you? Or no. is, it, is it the no, words, you're right. what are you? It's what are you? It's okay. like, it's like, defend yourself. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? Yes, it's Do like you belong it, here? <laughs> it, yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly how I feel when that yep. question is asked. And so that's why I wanted to start the, the chat with that question, because <laughs> I feel like people are always taken aback. Like, well, what do you mean? What am I? You know, it's yeah. just a weird yes. question. I don't think that 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 that's something that most people realize when they are asking the question that it could mm -hmm. be taken in a weird way. And it's almost like defend yourself, you know, explain, explain yourself. That's the, mm -hmm. the feeling that I get when somebody says that. Yes. And it's funny. It's interesting that you said um, you, you notice that you would receive that question mainly from people of color, whether they are Mexican or black or Asian. And I experience the same now that I, now that I think about it. Um, and I think it is maybe we do recognize each other and we're curious um, of maybe differences we notice or just 
I don't know. It's interesting though that I have a majority of the time receive that question from people of color. Whereas the question I get most from white people is, you're so tan. <laughs> and I'm like, they're like, are you outside a lot? And I, I am outside a lot. I play golf. And but I tell them, well, I'm half black. So, you know, some so, of this is natural. <laughs> so are you, you're saying that white people often think you're white? Like fully I don't know what they think I am, but they do think I have a really nice tan. Oh. So, <laughs> see, yeah. see there, I just caught myself kind of... The, okay, so that's something that we need to get into in a mm. little bit. But I want to take it back to a little bit of a story. So it's story okay. time, okay? All right, I'm ready. <laughs> do you remember about a year and some change ago, you were over here, we were having dinner, and we were talking about identity for some reason. We kind of started talking about like just being biracial, things like that. And you said to me that you were not sure if you could say, I am Black. Yes. You had that moment of realization. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it all started um, with me having a conversation, um, a controversial conversation a lot of people have about the N-word. Um, I was speaking to a Black friend about how I was not comfortable using the N-word. Um, and my reasoning was, I'm not full black. Um, and this was a few years ago. I said, I'm not, I'm not full black. So I just don't know if I'm able to really say, I'm not comfortable saying it. I didn't grow up in a black environment. Um, I didn't grow up around black family. I'm just not comfortable saying it. And so it sparked the conversation of, well, you are a black woman And I do consider myself a Black woman, but I'm also mixed. And I think the disconnect for me of maybe considering myself, you know, comfortably saying I'm a Black woman is I grew up with my white mom. Mm -hmm. I grew up with my white family every day, white neighborhood, Mexican neighborhood. Um, my skin is brown. My dad, yes, my dad is Black. But the way that I grew up was not in, a, in Black culture or Black environment to where at the time I didn't really see myself as a black woman. Mm. Um, wow. A lot of times, I mean, I, I do, I, I say I'm mixed, you know, I'm biracial. Um, I do know society would most likely identify me as a black woman. I remember so saying I'm that aware to you. Of that. I was like, you do <laughs> yes. know that out there on tour, you know, on TV, when people see you, they're like, she's black. <laughs> right. Right. And so I think that is such an interesting conversation because I then compare it to other cultures. If you were Black and Asian, I would think you would fully embrace both cultures because they are two strong cultures. Um, whereas Black and white, you know, most people are prone to just identify as Black. Um, oh, so that okay. is something that, you know, I'm still, you know, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. Um, everyone grows up differently and identifies in certain ways. I do connect more with the black culture. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's not so much as a right or wrong answer. I think it's about yeah. what feels right to you. Maybe. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, an interesting conversation. Um, but it's, and it's always evolving for me, always learning, having conversations like this, speaking with people who are also biracial or of different cultures. I think it's always interesting to kind of hear their perspective about it. Yeah. And that's the thing when, when you said that to me, I started thinking because I was pregnant at the time 
And I started thinking about what my kids were going to be seen as or how they were going to feel or whether they were going to be asked, what are you? And feel like they had to defend themselves, right? Culturally. (laughs) And I remember thinking like, I don't know how I feel about my kids having to choose because Mm. I do think that that's kind of unfair. Like, why can't you be a whole of two things. I know that the math mm-hmm. doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> like <laughs> there are no, there's no such thing as, you know, two holes in one. But right. I do feel like it's unfair to ask somebody to have to pick. And so a couple of months ago, I remember telling Doug, I said, I don't want Renzi to ever feel like he has to choose that he has mm-hmm. to say I'm or that he has to say I'm half black, half Mexican. Like I want him to proudly say I'm Mexican and I'm black both without having to say half. It's the I think it's the word half that really mm. bothers me sometimes because yeah. it, it's almost like, again, it's almost reductive. It's like taking away a part of you. Why do right. you, Cheyenne, have to say that you're mixed or why do you have to say you're half black, half white, you're a whole of both, right? I mean, I just feel mm-hmm. like you have the whole culture of both. So why do you have to pick? That's the part that I don't understand. I don't know if that bothers you, but... <laughs> no, it does. It does because, the two, like you said, the two parts make you whole. Um, and if you were to pick one or the other, you're obviously influenced by both. Um, and your DNA is of both and probably a few others as well. Um, So it is, it's always a tricky conversation and question because I don't know, I guess everyone is just different and how they're comfortable in describing it. You know, some people do, like I have a friend who is, um, she's half Chinese and half Haitian and she identifies as a black woman, although she actually looks more Asian than black. Okay. (laughs) Um, so I don't know. But for me personally, I do fully embrace, you know, both sides. And um, I'm a biracial woman. I know that society might identify me as Black. And I don't know. I feel like I find myself talking in circles about it because there's just, (laughs) there's so much. It's very, it's a very deep question, you know? It's a question that comes with a heavy set of ideals. And Mm -hmm. it's a question that comes with a lot of expectations. Maybe that's why sometimes you feel unsure about how to answer it or why you keep asking yourself the questions because it's like society expects you to choose all the time. Mm -hmm. We're asked to choose sides on everything, politically, gender-wise. You know, you have to tell your pronouns. You have to say your race, your ethnicity, your culture. Why? Why do we always have to declare a specific side? I just, that's the part that really gets me. (laughs) I don't understand Yeah. You know why though? It's because it makes it easier on everybody else Uh to be able to identify you as one thing so that they know how to act, how to, how to act. Yeah. Where to process, where to kind of box you in, you know, but that's it. I think that's what it is. People want to be able to, to pinpoint what you are, um, what they can title you as, Mm. and it makes it easier for them to then process, you know, moving about their way. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, no, you're right. It's like, okay, now that I know you're black, 
I'm going to put you in this box right here. And now yeah. you're, you know, a part of my black <laughs> consortium. And or yeah. now that I know you're white, I, you know, I know what I can say around you and what I can't say around you. I, yeah. Sometimes I feel that that might have something to do with it. It's like, how do I mm-hmm. act around this person? Because I need to know where I stand or where they stand. Right. But exactly. I think that's a that's almost an assumption of saying that a culture or or an ethnicity makes you a specific way of a person, which is a really big stereotype. Very, yeah. It to automatically attach ideas, yes. opinions, stereotypes to you based on your ethnicity is dangerous. <laughs> um, it's very dangerous. <laughs> no one ethnicity group thinks the same. I mean, the human race doesn't think the same. Just because you look away doesn't mean you're going to have these opinions. So um, that's a dangerous way to kind of box people in. And that's the thing. Like, I don't think most people understand that there's a certain connotation that comes with asking that question. Nowadays, it seems like everyone with a camera and a microphone is a, quote, content creator. Don't get me wrong, I love that the internet has allowed so many people to test their creativity, but when it comes to your brand making an impact, wouldn't you rather partner with a seasoned media expert? Because your brand is more than a business, it's a story. So let me help you tell that story. I'm a producer and creative consultant who understands that your online presence should be working for your brand, not against your bottom line. If you're ready to create online video and audio content in English or in Espanol, that builds trust and turns your audience into loyal customers, go to maribelqs.com forward slash ready and let me know. I don't think that there's anything wrong with saying, what's your ethnicity or, oh, that's interesting. You know, your name's interesting. Where are you from? Or where's that from? I'm curious. I would ask questions like that. I don't think there's anything insulting about that. I just think that the explain yourself type of questions where it's like, what are you? that's where you can get a little bit defensive at the end of the day. Like, does it matter? Yes and no. I think that it matters to define who you are so that you understand where you come from, what your history is, your background, and just kind of get get an overall understanding of who you are as a person, like what you're built of. But I don't think that it should be the reason why people classify you or I don't definitely don't think that it should be the reason that people decide to treat you one way or another. Obviously, we know that that's not true. I mean, people do decide to to treat you a certain way based on who you are. Speaking of ethnicity, right? I think mm-hmm. that definitely does. I mean, obviously, if it didn't happen, <laughs> we wouldn't be having all the issues we have <laughs> right now. Exactly. The issues we've had for the last 500 years. <laughs> They're always evolving, always changing in different ways. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's it's the, a constant conversation of identifying who you are, people deciding how they're going to treat you. Um, but as a, a biracial or multiracial person, it, it's always a little difficult in having a clear answer. Do you think that when you were growing up, you had enough exposure to the Black culture? Since you mentioned that you grew up around mostly white people, like white family. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I don't think I did. Um, you know, my my dad is black and I would see him every other weekend and, you know, some holidays with his side of the family or with that side of the family. And um, that was about it. 
Uh, and then I went to college and I went to college in North Carolina and it was a little bit of a culture shock. You know, obviously being moving from Arizona to North Carolina is big in itself, but to also then be in a more Southern culture was different. And I loved it. I loved embracing that black side. I love, I'd never had soul food before, you mm. know, experiencing that going to a black church, um, just being in that environment was so different for me that it did allow me to embrace that black side of myself a lot more than I had previously, you know, the the first 18 years of my life. So for me, it was a great experience to see that side, expose myself to that side, and then kind of find myself in that. Um, So for me, I think it was necessary because I didn't have that growing up. Um, And it allowed me to connect more with that part of my history. You know, I got so interested in then learning more about Black history, um, being tied more to the causes and understanding the issues. And you don't get that if you're not, I don't think you get that if you're not experiencing it or exposed to it or open your world up to it. Yeah. Do you feel like the Black culture embraced you at that time? Or did you Once again, did you have to explain yourself to the Black culture? It was 50-50. I always say growing up, you know, of the Black friends I did have. And when I say growing up, I mean like high school, college years. The Black friends I did have, you know, when I was in that group, I was considered like the light skin or the, the mixed white girl. And then in my other group of friends, you know, my golf friends, my white Asian friends, I was the black girl. And so kind of finding, trying trying to straddle that line and figure out who exactly I am. Um, Am I the black girl? What does that even mean? Am I uh, just a mixed light skin girl? I'm not quite this. I'm not quite that. What does that mean? How do I actually feel? Um, Was difficult. You were confronted at that point. I think you were probably confronted by a, a little bit of an identity crisis, maybe. That I mean, I know that I've been there for sure. Even though I'm a mix of many things, I definitely felt like I always had to choose a side in the United States for some reason. It just mm. always felt like I was never Mexican enough for my Mexican people back home. And I was never black obviously and I was never white obviously Mm -hmm. so I just never felt like I fit in anywhere but there's one thing that I always did I always growing up tried to assimilate as much as possible depending on what group I was with so for example I relaxed my hair when I was in in middle school and in high school because I just (laughs) had to have straight hair like I did not feel comfortable with my curly hair back then I rejected it because I was the only one And even the black girls were relaxing their hair. So Mm -hmm. we all, you know, I felt like I couldn't fit in with anybody. (laughs) I had to. (laughs) Nobody knew what to do with me. (laughs) It's funny. I had a similar experience of, I don't know why this is a memory I have, but in like first grade, I remember a kid told me I looked like a poodle because my hair was so big. And I, it always kind of stuck with me for some reason. And, um, I relaxed my hair in high school. Um, 
I had trouble even doing my hair, you know, understanding products, how to do curly yeah. hair day to day. Like, there was no information it, on that back then. No, None. it was not a like, thing back no then. No YouTube videos, no, nah, nothing. <laughs> so I did do a relaxer and I went through that awkward phase of then having to grow it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I think once I went to college, again, being being around a more culturally diverse environment. I fully embrace the curls. I fully embrace mm. like natural hair. Um, and so since then I do straighten my hair occasionally, but I fully embrace, you know, having curly hair and understanding it, understanding the history of black hair. Um, you know, I, I'm a lot more, I think I take a lot more pride in being black and, and representing black women, especially in the world of golf. Yeah. There's not many of us. <laughs> and so I think representation is so important. So I'm aware of, I guess, the worlds that I'm giving into, you know, am I being influenced by white America and white beauty or am I still fully embracing natural black, you know, what I was born with? So I think that's another aspect of being multiracial is being influenced by we all see it on Instagram and the beauty industry of, you know, what, what is beautiful? And, you know, we all are beautiful, but it's, it's easy to want to relax your hair because it's easy and everyone else looks that way. Yeah. I feel like obviously nowadays we're come, we are in this amazing awakening of, mm -hmm. you know, embracing your curls, embracing your natural beauty, like not necessarily feeling like you have to change something about yourself, which I think is amazing. And yeah. I wish that had been around back in the day when, when I was a kid. I know. Because <laughs> I think it, it definitely fucked with my confidence. I will say that for sure. Yeah. I mean, I never felt pretty as a little kid and yeah. I was always a different one and I was always the... I felt like the ugly duckling. I don't know why. Yeah. I just always <laughs> did. But yeah. in the media, you, I feel like, are always embraced as this beautiful woman. Cheyenne Woods, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every time I see your name, it's like in there's that this voice. Yes, exactly. There's a voice that goes, Cheyenne Woods. And then there's a twinkle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and sparkles drop from the ceiling. Because yes. you are. I do think that the media has Thank kind you. of like taken yeah. you and, and yeah. put you up in this, you know, I don't want to say pedestal. That sounds weird. Yeah. But they do kind of portray you as like the beautiful woman in golf. And we know there are a lot of beautiful women in golf. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there's a certain expectation that you have had to kind of, I don't know, maybe embrace. Am I like throwing shit out there that's not even true. I mean, you tell me, but I, that's kind of like the idea that I get overall just from from what's out there. Yeah. No, I mean, I can totally see that. I think it is because I've always fully embraced being an athlete, being a golfer, but also being a woman. I mean, and being a woman means so many things. Being a woman doesn't always mean being glamorous and love, loving having your makeup done and doing your hair. But um, you know, those are things that I enjoy, not every day, but here and there. Um, so I, I could see what you're saying about, you know, my image kind of being portrayed in that way, um, which is interesting because you know me and <laughs> majority of the time I've got my hat on with my hair in a bun and workout clothes. No, but do you feel like there's, there's a pressure to, to be a specific way to the people of the world? because of the attention? Mm. Um, not really. I might have before. Um, I might have before actually 
when I first turned pro, I guess I was, I was a little bit aware of it, especially being at tournaments, you know, um, I was very conscious of my body, you know, my hair, I would straighten my hair a lot because I thought it looked better in a hat, you know, (laughs) stupid stuff like that. And, um, and then I just started not caring. I'm like, you know, I, I want to play good golf. It doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter what people are thinking of me. I can dress up when I want to dress up. Um, when I'm at work, I just want to be able to wear and do what I need to do in order to perform well. Mm. Um, and so I think as a female athlete, sometimes you do get distracted by image because I mean, it's, it's almost a double-edged sword, you know, the a lot of money and a lot of sponsorships get thrown at girls with, you know, images that people like or that are popular. And so it is kind of tough to, what do I prioritize? But at the end of the day, you got to do what feels right to you. Um, what feels natural, what is comfortable and what allows you to truly perform and accomplish your goals. Man, that's a, that's such a heavy, set of ideas there that you threw out. Like, I feel like we could go down the rabbit hole on that one because we're talking about just being a woman and being an athlete. And then on top of that, being biracial, being, you know, a woman of color, like all these expectations. Plus, you know, I just feel like there's this general expectation of women just having to work harder to deliver something for people in general, right? And so I do think that it's easy to look at someone's image and make assumptions. And I think that I've definitely seen you kind of show the world a little bit more of who you are lately. But I Mm -hmm. used to always think back in the day, like when we first met, I used to be like, man, people don't really like, they don't really know Cheyenne. Like they don't (laughs) understand. I mean, I've seen people make weird assumptions about you on social media where I'm like, what? Like they have no idea. <laughs> no. And and obviously, I mean, that's because they don't know you. So of course, right. you know, how, right. how could they know? Yeah, definitely. As a public figure, as an athlete, it's it can be difficult deciding what route you're going to go. When I when I graduated from college, you know, obviously college is different. You're used to posting everything and Instagram <laughs> and Twitter were way different back then where oh, yeah. you were posting stuff you probably shouldn't be posting. <laughs> <laughs> it's out um, there forever. <laughs> yeah. And I think when I started uh, playing professionally, I got a few comments. You know, people say things here and there about whatever their opinion is, and mm-hmm. it hurt and it scared me. And so I kind of balled up into a shell, and I didn't want to show people anything. Mm. Um, you know, I showed them what maybe they expected to see. You know, here's a, a nice looking golf shot. You know, here's me working out. Here's me on an airplane. You know, very just surface what you would expect. And I think it was a way of protecting myself as well, of not giving everything and opening it up for people's opinions. And then I realized, you know, through just processing and evolving as a person that no matter who you are, what you do, people are going to have an issue with it. People are going to love it. People might be uncomfortable with it. People might relate to it. Um, There's always going to be something. But at the end of the day, you have to go to sleep feeling how you feel. Are you being yourself? Are you being authentic? And that's what matters at the end of the day. Um, you know, you turn your phone off, you delete social media. How are you feeling? Are you your authentic self? Um, I have that question all the time with some girls on tour. Like if social media wasn't a thing, would we really feel so bad for playing bad golf? 
you know, a lot of times we, we feel bad because we know everyone sees it and it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's the embarrassment probably. Right. And so, you know, little things like that, that just change how maybe you perceive the world or expect people to perceive you. Um, it's definitely, but it's just been interesting to learn through the years of, of navigating that route of how much I give, how much I protect And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned. It's protection now for myself, protecting different parts of my life that I want to keep sacred. Um, Because I think that's important too in a world where we overexpose ourselves and just kind of throw everything out there. Sometimes you want to keep things to yourself and keep them personal. Mm. For as long as I've known you, I feel like you've definitely come into your own the more I know you like the more I see you shine in who you are and like really truly show the world that there's a lot more to you than what they see and I love that because you know me oh, like thanks. I, I want to go deep I'm like yeah. no, no no don't hit me with the superficial <laughs> shit like yeah. I don't want to know how the day is or how the temperature feels outside like mm-hmm. I want to know what your fears are <laughs> yes Yes, your biggest insecurities. <laughs> like let's let's talk about let's talk about that. I don't want to talk about the weather, yeah. right? But deep, I've seen deep, that. Deep. <laughs> I've seen that and I I'm so happy. Like I love that. I just I love that about the evolution of a person in general, you know. And I think yeah. that part of it probably has a lot to do with just like, you know, growing up and, and embracing who you are. Like we started this episode talking about, you know, the biracial identity and yeah. I think Correct me if I'm wrong, but has that helped you in feeling more secure in yourself, like kind of embracing your ethnicity with more pride or no, I don't want to say pride, but embracing your ethnicity with more, um, what do I say? Like just more feeling more secure in your ethnicity, like saying both I'm Mm -hmm. black and I'm white and that's great. And like, has that helped Mm -hmm. you become more secure? Yeah, I think, yeah, fully embracing it. And, and like you said, a little bit of the pride, because for me, honestly, um, I would feel less black when people saw my family, you know, I might look black, but when I'm showing pictures, you know, my mom and my, my two older brothers are, they're fully white. Um, and I would feel less than in the black community because of that, which is weird. Mm. I don't know why. No, it's Um, not weird. I understand why (laughs) society (laughs) makes it so. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, but fully embracing, you know, I love my family. I love how I grew up and the experiences that I have and my dad and, um, that my black side of the family, I love those experiences I've been able to have and fully embracing being a biracial woman Um, And also seeing, I think it helps as well when you can step back and you see other biracial girls, young girls, you realize the importance of fully embracing that um, and, and owning it and understanding it and being able to connect with those girls as well about being biracial and being mixed and having curly hair you can't figure out. Um, (laughs) Having, like we started the conversation, people being confused about what you are. Um, you know, I had let so many comments or questions about me not really being black, you know, in golf, they want to label you so quickly as, you know, 
Tiger Woods isn't even fully black. <laughs> and, you know, that's been a whole conversation. Oh, of, girl. He didn't consider himself <laughs> black and he's yeah. Kabbalasian. It, yeah. Kabbal- whatever. <laughs> yep. Yep. But that just goes to show such a disconnect, not only in how we identify ourselves, how a society identifies us, how we, how they want to label us and market us. Yeah. Um, there's just, it goes so deep. Um, so it is is very, uh, complex. I hope that Renzi never feels like he has to hide one side of his family because that would Mm -hmm. freaking tear me apart. And, and I, my heart breaks for you and the fact that you felt that way. The fact that you Mm -hmm. felt that there was a side of you that you couldn't really show the world because you would be considered less than that Mm -hmm. fucking breaks my heart. Yeah. I mean, (sighs) yeah. Well, it's tough when. It's tough because obviously Black people have been through so much. Um, we're very prideful in people who are doing well, um, always supporting each other, Of especially in golf. There's not many of us, like I said. So for me, of feeling that Black support, but then also feeling, which I had seen, you know, comments or, and not just like one comment, but conversations that were being had about the level of my blackness. And um, it's hard because Mm -hmm. I connect with the black culture. I connect with the pain, the struggles. You know, I have a black father. You know, when we see things like George Floyd, like that hurts my heart. I have black heritage and society sees me as black. But Mm -hmm. when I'm labeled as less than black, simply because I grew up with a white family is, it was difficult. Um, But it's all a part of the process of, having that strength and foundation of who you are and and just really standing by that no matter what. That's the thing that I think it's important that we explore. Like, why do we have to take away a part of people when we're labeling them? Like, why, like, again, back to the beginning, why can't you just be two holes instead of two halves? (laughs) (laughs) I I know the math doesn't make sense, but like, I think you can be white and black and not have to say half. And I mean, yeah. that's kind of implied. <laughs> I feel that, you know, when you look at yeah. someone, you might kind of guess that, right? Like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could be mixed, you know, maybe her parents, yes. you know, one of each, whatever. But why do you have to choose? Like, and, and mm-hmm. why do people often make these reductive sta- statements of saying like, oh, yeah, but she's not fully black. Have you yeah. heard that? Like, oh, yeah, but you're not yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have. I mean, I've had conversations with girls on tour of comparing black people like, "Oh, well you're not really like like black people, like black people or like the black people over here or there." And it's just when you hear those conversations, you realize how how they see you, how they don't see you, how they see black people, how they're kind of categorizing. And I feel um, like that's why it's so important for you to re- restate, no, I am black. Yeah. In those circles, I think that that's when it becomes even more important to embrace mm-hmm. the culture and say, no, 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 like, hold up. I do have a white mother and a black father, mm-hmm. but I am black and I am also white. So I'm here mm-hmm. for all of it. Don't, you know, don't make assumptions. Like that's, that's where I think that there's this disconnect where people then start to feel a little safe around you, quote safe and, and feel like they can say certain things. 
Exactly. And I think being biracial makes it difficult for people, (laughs) not difficult. It makes it easy for people to be comfortable in having those conversations that are offensive. Um, Like I, I had a guy I was working with who, who made a comment about me not talking black. I was like, well, you don't really, you don't really talk black. And I was like, what does that mean to you? He goes, you know, like y'all and with the (laughs) accent. And I'm like, that's not a black thing. No, that's like a lot of people think. (laughs) And so little conversations like that, it's just like, oh my gosh, it's overwhelming. Honestly, it's overwhelming. It's frustrating because there's just such a lack of education when it comes to being culturally aware (laughs) and understanding even, you know, like the Mexican culture and, you know, with Renzi being half black, half Mexican, the conversations you don't have. Whole black, whole Mexican. Oh, my bad. We just (laughs) had this guy. (laughs) Go back to the drawing board. (laughs) Oh my goodness. See, I have a lot to learn still. (laughs) I'm brainwashed. (laughs) Going my whole life explaining I'm half white, half black. It's like, I know I mean, you have to unlearn some things, learn other things. <laughs> Again, like it's yeah. uh, it's about your personal choice, right? You get to decide what you want to say at the end of the day. Yeah. I just don't think it's fair for other people to come and tell you who you should be or how you mm-hmm. should identify. Exactly. What's the biggest thing that you have learned over the past couple of years? I guess, like we said, just having that strong foundation of your identity. Um realizing that there really is no one identity that you do have to adopt. You can have, you know, multiple influences on what makes you, you, um, and being strong in that. So for me, you know, fully embracing, you know, both sides of my family, along with my experience being a golfer, along with my experience living in Arizona, um, so many things make me, me that, um, I've just been able to strongly and and clearly identify that. And I'm still learning and will continue to learn, but I do think I've improved most on that to where this is probably the, the most, you know, me that I've felt and be able to kind of just show that to the world fearlessly. Mm. So I'm going to ask you one more time before we wrap up. What are Mm -hmm. you? (laughs) Again, I'm a woman. (laughs) (laughs) I am, you know, I am a woman who comes from a a multiracial background. Um, I have various experiences that make me me as an athlete, as a sister, as a daughter, um, And yeah, there's a list long thing, a list of things I could create that of who I am. And, you know, that, that question is one that could, I could, I could go on for a while about, but I don't know. (laughs) What are you, Maribo? Oh, damn it. Here we go. I forgot that (laughs) you have your own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What am I? I am, I'm a woman and I'm a mom that happens to also be Mexican. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, shit, I'm an immigrant. I'm a wife. And I hope that I'm kind and mm-hmm. that I'm supportive. I hope that I'm always honest and, mm-hmm. and that I'm always um, empathetic. That's one thing that I always mm-hmm. try to be. So yes. there's what I am and what I think I am, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. I'm honest. I think I'm kind and I think I'm empathetic. And I hope that that's yes. what I am actually portraying. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what I've experienced so far. So oh, sh- you are, you're spot on. <laughs> yes. 
I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for making time. I appreciate it. I always appreciate you so much. And obviously, you know, we'll continue to have these conversations. I know and I realize that you and I are both a little bit privileged too in the fact that we um, we do have some privileges that other people of color don't have. And I always have mm-hmm. to say that and recognize that because it is important that is. there is this like hierarchy, so to speak, of colorism that we live in, in the society that I think is bullshit, but it exists. And I think it's, it's important to state it and acknowledge it right here, right now. Like mm-hmm. we know, we know it exists. We know that we have privileges um, of certain kind uh, when it comes to those things. And and we're here to continue to talk about that shit and continue mm-hmm. to break down the stigma around that. Yeah. And hopefully keep building each other up instead of just yes. questioning and tearing each other down. Always. And that's that empathetic part that you had mentioned of understanding as women, as you know, yourself, your ethnicity, my ethnicity, we have our own privileges. Um, I don't fully experience, I'm sure, some of the racism that has happened in the world to black men and women. I, I acknowledge my privilege and blending in sometimes. Um, but to also be empathetic to those experiences being real um, and and not ever downplaying them, but acknowledging them, continuing the conversations like today are so important. So thank you for having me on today. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Diferente. As always, you know where to find me on social media at Maribel underscore QS. So make sure you let me know what you thought about this episode. By the way, the biggest compliment you can give me as well is to hit those five stars and tell me why you love listening to the show. Also, another really big compliment would be to share this episode with someone who you think would really benefit from listening. Until next time, I hope you can keep being courageous on your growth journey. Hasta pronto.